this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Colin Quinn, product developer at REI. We discuss why REI makes its own products, how he got into the industry, and why he loves the outdoors. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Chase Anderson, and today I'm joined by a special guest all the way from Seattle, Colin Quinn uh, with REI, product developer. Thanks for coming to campus and joining us today. Thanks for having me, Chase. Yeah. Uh, really good to be here on campus. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about your experience at REI and your experience in the outdoor industry. This podcast is just, we, we talk to people from across the industry, um, people from brands, people from the local community, and it kind of all centers back on like, why are you in the industry and why do you love being a part of it so much? Um, if you do, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm assuming a lot <laughs> no, there. Definitely love um, it. But uh, do you mind just sharing a little bit about your role at the company and how long you've been with REI and, and maybe we can get into what that experience has been? Sure thing, yeah. Um, so I've been working at REI for a year and a half and my role is on the co-op brands uh, gear team. So I'm a product developer, which means I uh, commercialize product and I take the design intent from our product designers uh, and work with manufacturers to bring that product to life um, is kind of the, the simplest way I can say it. So uh, it's been a great year and a half. I've learned a lot. Um, I work mostly on co-op brands, sleeping bags and sleeping pads, and then I dabble in a couple other product categories as well. So um, cool to work on a diverse range of product and uh, get a lot, a lot of experience with, with different product categories. So what led you to REI? You've been there for about a year and a half. What's kind of your background? How'd you get into the industry? So yeah, I guess I'll start um, with uh, college, uh, being that I'm on a college campus now. I, I got my degree in manufacturing and design engineering um, from Northwestern University in Illinois. And uh, I took that degree and I went right into a product design engineering role at a really small camping accessory company called Yuko Gear. Um, out in Seattle. So, um, yeah, I was just always interested in, in product design and kind of how, how to take problems um, that people are having and solve them with a useful um, product. So that, that first foray into the outdoor industry was a great learning experience. Um, and then after about four years there, uh, position opened up at REI uh, for the co-op brands team. And you know, being in Seattle, REI is kind of everywhere. It, they're, they're, they are the, the outdoor retailer in my mind. So um, it was kind of always in the back of my mind, like, hey, it'd be pretty cool to work there one day. Um, I'd been a member for, you know, years at that point and really loved everything they were about. So when that position opened up, I, I went for it and uh, was able to, able to get that. And uh, it's been, yeah, like I said, a great year and a half. So... You, you said it. They are the retailer. And I've even got that in bold on my notes here. <laughs> they are the retailer um, when it comes to outdoor products. Been doing it for a long time. Do you mind just sharing a little bit of the backstory for those who might not know? I know you've shared this already today with, with a group of students. But um, what is, what's some of the history, the high points? Um, and then how has that influenced your experience at REI? What's that like to be a part of a company that has such a long heritage? Yeah, so um, it's kind of like a like some some outdoor lore at this point of how REI started. Uh, it started in 1938, and Lloyd and Mary Anderson are kind of the two founding members that get a lot of the credit for starting the co-op. They um, 
it started with an ice axe. So back in, in the 30s, uh, they didn't have access to kind of the best mountaineering gear, but they really wanted to, you know, get up Mount Rainier and other, other big peaks in the, in the U.S. and elsewhere. And uh, they wanted to have the best gear. So they had to look to Europe for, for that ice axe. And be just the two of them, they couldn't really, like, leverage their purchasing power to get a good price that would make it, um, you know, m make it okay to bring those over. So they banded together with 21 other friends, and the 23 of them all ordered ice axes. Um, and that was the first order for the co-op. And then they thought, you know, why not? why not kind of see where this takes us and they started ordering more gear getting more members involved and it started off as a true cooperative um and it still operates that way today as a, as a co-op so our members have a say in uh, our board of directors and they they have a say in you know a lot of what we do so it's, it's cool to keep that that ethos alive of you know member member driven organizations and um it's it you know, it, it feels really good to be be working for a company that's been around as, for as long as REI ha has and has kind of held true to its roots. It's it's fun to go to shows like Outdoor Retailer, and I know that's where where you know we met. Mm -hmm. um, and you have some of the old old like older people in the industry who are kind of these card carrying members. So it's like badge of honor if you're like one of those early numbers, yeah. right? People um, always talk about like. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. My my dad has a six digit REI number, right? right. So the six digit numbers are super, right? Yeah, super valuable. Yeah. So you know, probably not as many of those floating around. I don't know. There's maybe there are. I yeah. I mean, there's you know, it, we still have a lot of members. We do we do a lot of we try to kind of engage with those those members who have been with us for a long time. We put yeah. out a kind of a couple pieces of cool marketing videos around um, some of our like oh, like older members and. Uh, yeah, just to see the kind of the loyalty that people have because they feel like they're a part of the company as well. They're part of the co-op. So um, I think that's a really, really special way to, to run a business. Right. Um, I know we talked a little bit about this off air and you might not have the answer to it, but um, a lot of people look at, at REI as a, as a retailer, right? Mm -hmm. And that's predominantly the business, right? But you guys have also been in the business of making your own products and that's your team, you know, right. the team that you're on. Um, I know you don't know an exact date, but when did REI start getting into making their own gear products? I mean, yeah, so it's, we've been making products for a long time, the REI brand products. And the earliest, so I actually, in the thrift store, found uh, a down jacket from like 1976, I think, um, with the, like the super old label on it. And I think... I want to say it was like in the 60s and 70s that like REI really started making their own product and it was mostly apparel and then sleeping bags and tents um, kind of the big and packs kind of the big the big three um, four with apparel and so that that's my best guess at what it is I feel like I should know this and I'm gonna go back and ask our our, yeah. our resident historian on on what what the real date is but um, that's it's cool to kind of being in Seattle you'll find in thrift stores like a lot of these old old REI products and I try to snatch them up whenever I can because yeah. it's cool to own, own a piece of history. Yeah, and we, earlier we went through the special collections, the Outdoor Recreation Archive that we here, have here on campus. We've got about 50 REI catalogs and, and a lot of those were the 70s. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where where our, our uh, kind of our knowledge of like when products started there, we saw some REI brand product in there. But um, yeah, I'd be curious to know when and kind of what was the beginning of that, who started that movement and um, I'd be curious from your perspective, like how is 
how is working for a brand that's also selling other people's products, a retailer? Um, or how is it different when you're making in-house brands and you're also selling other people's brands? What's different about that and advantages, disadvantages of, of being in that situation? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it is a very unique situation, right? There's only a few in the outdoor space, there's only a few people who are doing things like that. I mean, backcountry is another one, right? Um, and so, you you know, you, you try to make things that occupy their own space. So co-op brands, I think, for us, how we think about the product we make is that it's the physical manifestation of the co-op. So we try to embody in our product all of the values that we believe in as a co-op um, and put those to life and, and, and offer basically offer our members a really good value product um, without sacrificing anything on durability or sustainability or longevity of the product. So it's a unique position in that we only sell in online on our website and in our, um, you know, 150 something now stores across the U.S. and we're only worried about, um, you know, the domestic market. So it allows us to have a little more focus, I think, is, is ultimately what it comes down to, is that I, I know that the product that I'm working on is only going to be sold in those locations to our members or, or other people who come into our stores. And so it allows us to really take a, a focused approach to product development and not have to do a whole lot of like, you know, we, we still push innovation in some ways, um, in a lot of ways actually in what we do, but it's, you know, we know, we know what works for our members and we're, we're pretty good at, at, at figuring out what, what they need. So it's, it's nice to have that um, as a resource when you're working on product instead of kind of going in blind and trying to figure out, um, you know, what people want. Is it, is it kind of a balancing act where you're, you rely on great brands and you're relying, like you're selling great brands, um, but you're also trying to make your own products? Do you ever find that is kind of a, a struggle within the company where you're, you have to have a partnership with, with brands like Patagonia and, of course. and all these other brands, but... You know, you also don't want to make product that makes them too upset. Mm -hmm. Is that uh, yeah, a that, conflict or that makes, anything you feel? That makes sense. And I think, you know, our our buyers, our, the merchandising team does a really good job at managing those relationships, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they, you know, they know way more about what's what's going on than we do with other brands. Um, so it's it's easy for, for us to kind of not step on anybody's toes because – um, we're working with our, our merchandising team to, um, you know, to, to figure out what we, we need to make, what we need to bring in to, um, and, and our product strategy team as well is, is, um, is very aware of like not stepping on anybody else's toes. So we're, we're trying to occupy a very kind of unique spot in, in most of the product lines that we carry. Um, and, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's that value driven product without, without trying to be, um, without trying to kind of make anybody uh, too upset. Right. Yeah, because the last thing I imagine that REI wants to be is is big, bad Amazon that's right. getting all this information from, you know, learning what products sell, what features people like, and then just making their own version of it in Amazon Basics and releasing it, right? And, yeah. And cutting out people. So, and I could never, you know, imagine REI doing something like no, that. No, that's not. I can um, tell you, you know, being in being in Seattle and, and being in Amazon, you yeah. know, living living a couple miles from the headquarters, that's not something we would want to become. Right. I, I think that's not really in the in the ethos of the, the co-op. That's probably an interesting dynamic that, that you mentioned that, right? Like both 
um, selling online products. You probably feel Amazon so much encroaching. Do, do you feel that? I mean, maybe you, that doesn't affect you as much as a product developer, but what does that feel like? You kind of have like two very different companies. Yeah. Occupying similar spaces. No, I think, I think it's on the mind of everybody who works in the outdoor industry, right? Like Amazon, I, I think you can look to Amazon and Moose Jaw probably as the two, Moose Jaw being Walmart, as the two, um, the two largest, I think they probably sell the most next to REI. I don't, I don't know the numbers, but um, it's, a, it's a real thing. It's like they're, they're selling low cost, um, cheap, for lack of a better term, goods a lot of times. And it's, it's hard to compete. If, if that's what the customer wants and if they're going to get it to you in a day, it's like you need to, you need to offer the customer something else. Um, and I think that uh, it's in order to compete with that, with Amazon and, and Moose Jaw. So I think where, where we do that is um, through, you know, our, our, our membership, our dividends and, and our, you know, how we function as a co-op and then kind of what we stand for as well. I think people are, people have, have it's really resonated with, with a lot of folks. Yeah. So, we could get into a whole nother discussion that I think is really yeah. interesting with, with Moose Job being acquired by Walmart. And I remember their their founder coming out and defending the decision. There also being a lot of pushback or, you know, why are, you're kind of selling out, like selling, selling, and um, it's going to dilute the product and you're just going to make more garbage. And But then the flip side is, is, well, maybe there's a lot of people who now go to Walmart who are exposed to outdoor products that otherwise, you know, maybe it's people who wouldn't walk into REI right that are now being exposed to outdoor products and maybe down the road they'll learn oh it's not the best product for me once they get into the sport or the activity and then they go and find a superior product somewhere else but that's a whole nother conversation yeah i think is that whole dynamic is really interesting it is super interesting and i think to to touch on that quickly there there is like kind of a roadmap of like discovery in the outdoors Mm -hmm. and i think that you're right about you know somebody buying their first you know, say they buy their first headlamp on Amazon and it's direct from China and it's, it, you know, it's 10 bucks and uh, it doesn't it doesn't function adequately. And then, th- you know, they're probably going to search for something a little better next time. And hopefully that leads them to something like an REI, uh, a store like an REI that um, can get them into a into a better, better piece of gear. Yeah. Um, what so kind of pivoting a little bit, what is it like working for a company that has such a long heritage and is there, I don't know, is, is it a little daunting to come and work in that type of environment where you have all these like really legit leaders in the industry, people who've been doing it a long time? Like, what does it feel like? I mean, and you're relatively new in mm-hmm. a career. Um, you've been doing product design for yeah, five and a half years. Five yeah. and a half years. So um, how is it working in that environment? And do you feel like you can contribute and, and add something new, a new perspective to the company? What's what's it like overall working for the company? Certainly, yeah, it's um, a good question. It's, I think you, you use the word legendary company, and I, I, I think that's right. And there's there's a certain standard to live up to, um, for sure, with everything we put out. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's I, I wouldn't call it like pressure, because I think that everybody on the team has the same approach has similar approaches to like we need to put out the best product and we need to make sure that it is sustainable um, and is durable and is going to be you know work the best for our members so it's really all about all about the members and I think that the reason that RAI is so legendary is because we have that intense member focus and customer focus Um, so that I would say 
you know relieves a little bit of the pressure is that like everybody everybody who I work with has that same mindset um, as far as like myself coming into um, REI and being like relatively new there being there for a year and a half um, yeah I think I think it's it, it's a cool kind of company culture and place to work in co-op brands because ideas can come from anywhere and we're you know we're always always open to trying new things so it's it's refreshing that even though we have this heritage and we've been doing this for so long is that we're you know we're, we're trying to push things forward and, and, and kind of move the needle on a on a sustainability or an innovation standpoint um, and that's it, it feels good to, to have the support of you know of of everybody at the company, everybody all the way up to you know our CEO Eric Arts, um, it, it really believes in what we're doing as, at Co-op Brands. So, so I kind of asked that question because it, it's leading me into another. Because I, I see you as a leader in the industry. That's really how I got to know you. Is is your participation in the Leadership Academy, mm-hmm. um, Skip Yole Leadership Academy for those two who don't know. And um, I, I just think that's a pretty unique part of the industry. Is the industry is like there's so much youth in the industry. Right, and uh, I think that's a really positive thing. I'd just love to hear your perspective on the opportunities for people who are just getting into the industry, or people who are younger who may feel daunted. Like, maybe speak to the opportunity to come in and like lead and make an impact. And yeah, you know, whether it's through the leadership academy, and maybe you can touch on what that is. But like, what's your experience been like coming into the industry and like being able to like take ownership and mm-hmm. feel like you can affect change? Yeah, that's a a great thing great great question great thing to talk about i think and something that was always on my mind as i as i <clears throat> have grown in the in in my career is like i can think back to um with my previous at my previous job going to or outdoor retailer for the first first few times you know going every summer every winter and like not knowing anybody except for the people i work with and then walking the show and seeing like all these people hugging who work at different companies, like walking the show with maybe the people I, I work with who know people in the industry and being like, oh man, that's that's a really cool part about this industry is that even though we work for competitors or, you know, work at different different companies, um, everybody is, is, is in the industry, I think, for similar reasons. And uh, we can all kind of get together on our love for the outdoors. So I wanted to find that, that group of, of peers in the industry. Um, and you know to be able to know people at OR and, and and you know just make make friends across the industry and so the Skip Yowl Leadership Academy that um, the Outdoor Industry Association runs um, was started I think they are just about to or they just announced the fifth class uh, the fifth member class of the academy and basically um, it started five years ago with kind of kind of based on the feeling of what I was just talking about of like how do we connect all this talent and like youth and like energy that's in the industry because there's something there right and I think that that's there's something there's good things that can happen when you get those people together so um they started it up and it's it's basically what for people who aren't familiar what it is is it's kind of a six-month intensive program that is basically an education crash course in the in the outdoor industry um, there's there's a networking ele- element to it. Obviously, there's 35 people, and or at least in my class there was, uh, from different companies ranging from, you know, small outdoor shop managers to we had the president of a small company in my in in my class, and then like um, people who work at nonprofits, um, marketing, product development, sales, you know, the whole the whole nine. And 
you you go through like a pretty intense education uh, course and you're you're learning about yourself you're learning a lot about the industry about where the industry is going what we can do to progress um, and then you also work on a capstone project with a outdoor based nonprofit to kind of help them as like you kind of form a little consulting team almost and help them with a with a problem and issue they're having so um, that was really kind of one of the better things I've done in in my in my career was 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 signing up and joining that that group um, because I, I gained 34 lifelong friends I think 34 people and then not to mention the alumni network but people people who I can call on if I'm having an issue at work and who will pick up the phone and will talk to me about you know anything give me advice on, on things I'm, I'm dealing with and um, you know if I want to bounce ideas off of somebody that, that everybody's there for that so um, yeah it was it was an invaluable experience and uh, you know I, I uh, funny funny side story I actually um, my roommate, I, who I live with now, I met through that academy. Oh, so really? it's like, yeah, wow. g- g- gained a place to live out of it. Yeah, all that's too. great. So it's kind of, kind of one of the one of the odder success stories out of that program. Yeah. But it's something something I like to talk about. What so. was your capstone project, if you don't mind me asking? Um, yeah, so we worked with uh, Outdoor Alliance, which is like a member group of nonprofits, um, and we we worked with them to basically do like a kind of a marketing plan for for a couple of issues they were having. Um, not sure that it's rolled out yet, uh, but it's we kind of handed off this this body of work to them and for them to do with what they wanted to. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that I, I really appreciate the outdoor industry's like focus on inclusion, and that's happening a lot more. And and that goes down to like allowing people who are relatively new um, in in the industry to like come into the fold and like take a leadership position and like have an impact and make a difference. And I think that's that's one of the things that I, I find is really attractive to people is um, who are looking to get into the industry is is that openness to like, you know, you can come in and make a difference if you like everyone has this common ground of like we love the outdoors, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter who you are, you can come in and participate. Is kind of what I interpret yeah, out of yeah. way. I would say I would say that's true, right? Like you can if you put yourself out there and you know meet the right people and 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 kind of like get get into the right education courses or whatever like there's 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 so many resources out there in the outdoor industry specifically for people to advance their careers and to c- kind of make an impact so i think skip yowl's leadership academy is a great one um the future leadership academy but there's there's so many other things out there that are that are great for for having impact in the industry so i would i would just say like any students listening I, I forgot to mention it today but just like it's it's putting yourself out there and uh and, and seeking out like continued education is, is key right and it, well and it seems like anyone like if you're passionate about something if you're working at a company like if you're passionate about a cause or like an initiative with the, in the company most of the time when i've talked to companies and like someone wants to see a change and see it happen within the company like people are mostly empowered to like make that happen like you, like if you're really passionate about sustainability, like a lot of companies are open to hearing like, I feel like the, oh absolutely the willingness to change and like one person within a company can like push forward whole initiatives. Like I mean I've been talking to people at REI about special collections and archiving, right? Mm-hmm. And the company is supporting these people who have full time jobs working in the company and like empowering them to go and do this archival work within the company. So I guess that, yeah. that's one thing that I think is really cool is like if you're passionate about something within the company like. For you know the most part, it seems like companies are are willing to empower people to like pursue right. that. 
Right, exactly. I think that that archive that archive team is is a is a cool example. They just are like people who are stoked about the history of REI, form this little this little squad of 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 historians and have, have kind of taken it upon themselves to to archive um, some of REI's history. So, have you? Is there an, any other example of something like that? Like someone on a team, like just was passionate about something, had an idea, and really drove it home, and then it was like adopted by the company. Is there anything like that that comes to mind for you? Yeah, I think that um, the first thing that comes to mind for me are like a couple of my team members. You know, we, we're always trying to find new ways of working and better ways of working. And so like any any kind of like process improvement or anything that we find that like we're stoked about and we want to we want to continue doing. So like sustainability, we have a lot of it's a big push in the industry right now. And um, my fellow product developers, a couple of them have taken it upon themselves to like see if they can make a f- like a fully blue sign certified a uh, couple fully blue sign certified uh, backpacks and so uh, it's cool to it's cool to have people just like championing these sustainability efforts and really really pushing that forward that might be that might be something that I'm uh, that comes to mind first yeah I feel like I'm, I'm trying to think of specific stories but I've heard stories within companies like like that like someone is passionate about something mm-hmm. and making something happen and then it's later adopted as kind of the standard within a company and I just yeah. feel like the outdoor industry is typically open to people coming in, and if you're passionate, you can make a change. Yeah, and a lot of like a lot of the sustainability team that I work with uh, at REI, like they're, or or even like the the testing lab that we work with. So our our test engineer was like, "Hey, our lead our lead test um, our testing lab manager, he was like, hey, you know, our value." Um, measurements on sleeping pads. This might get a little nerdy. Sorry, uh, are aren't like standard. There, there's no standard for measuring them. Like people are doing them differently. Everybody's reporting them differently. Like, can we come together as an industry and try to try to standardize this? Like, I think it's really important for customers to know what they're getting. And uh, so he worked with a bunch of other different companies, and they they met like a few times. I think it took a couple years, but managed to pass these standards through to. Uh, to become the standards for the industry. So um, things like that, it's like where you see places that you can make change, I think that the industry is open to that and we're all kind of just trying to learn together and progress forward, so. That's really cool and, and really empowering for anyone who I've, is like on like looking to jump in or already in the industry. I, I feel like that's really empowering to know that you can make positive changes. Um, I wanted to jump in a little bit. REI is just kind of the gold standard in, in so many different ways and is always making news in like the best ways mm-hmm. like for doing such great things, whether it's opt outside or, you know, there's just so many initiatives that REI is like put forward that are just, just making positive changes. Um, recently, the new REI standards, I, you know, that's, that's one that I wanted to get into with you. It's like, how does it feel working for a company um, that is, is like really setting the standard for sustainability in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, it feels great. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it feels really good to know that the product that we're making and the people who are in charge at the company have sustainability at the forefront of everything that we're doing. So, um, I think it's the most important sustainability as a as a as a as a a way to make product is the most important thing we can be doing in terms of product creation. Um, and so to actually put a, put a flag in the ground and say like, this is the way it's going to be, um, 
with being that we're so big, uh, we're such a big retailer is is it makes it makes waves, right? It's not it's not just ripples. It's kind of like, all right, this is this is the new standard. This is how we got to operate now. And I there's a lot that I don't know, like of the decision making process, what goes into to getting that to become reality. But um, it feels really good to know that that's yeah that that's what what we're thinking about as a company and and as an industry. Um, I would there's there's kind of no no company I'd rather work for right now than, yeah. than REI. Oh, that's awesome. So this this questions it's not a criticism of the standards or REI implementing them, but you worked for a smaller outdoor brand that didn't have a sustainability team. Like, have you seen what that impact has been on? I, I think overall it's it's moving the industry forward and, and challenging people to think about what they're creating um, for companies that have sustainability teams that are able to make those adjustments like it's, it's probably hard like how do you think it's affecting smaller companies or how how would you have dealt with it when you were working at a smaller company that's a good question um thinking back so i, I basically joined rei i think pretty much right after those standards got rolled out and um so i, I didn't have to deal with it as much at at my old job but um had i still been working there you know, I think I would take it upon, e- even if you don't have a sustainability team, right? Like the people who make the product, the designers and the developers and the sourcing team operations, you know, they they have to act as the sustainability team. And I think there's a lot of resources out there um, to educate yourself on sustainability in product creation. So, you know, speaking, hindsight's twenty twenty. but if had I been there at the time that the standards were rolled out, I think I probably would have taken it upon myself to educate myself, you know, make these, make these changes. Cause oftentimes, like, I think it's a, it's like a misconception that sustainability has to be more ex- expensive um, than non-sustainable product. I think it's, there are different ways of going about it and it's just about creative problem solving really. Um, so I get that it may hit smaller companies a little harder and it, they may be a little more strapped for resources, but um, I think that to me, if we're if we're making product, you know, if we're putting more stuff out into the world, um, we better be doing the best job that we can to make sure that it's uh, at least, you know, somewhat good for the world. Right. <laughs> well, I think you hit on something that I think is interesting. That um, I think this these the rollout of these standards, like if you're a company that doesn't have a sustainability team, or even if you do, it kind of puts that responsibility on the entire company to think about what are we making rather than maybe one person in the company who's over sustainability, right? Mm-hmm. Like now it becomes like everyone's problem. Right. You know, not problem, but, you know, something that everyone needs to think about rather than just one person in the company who's responsible for that one thing. And, yeah. and at these smaller companies, I think it, it it just puts that responsibility on them to, to think about what they're creating rather yeah. than just create more stuff. And I will say now, like at, at my role in REI, like we interface with our sustainability team as product developers. Um, but a lot of it is, you know, they empower us by giving us the tools um, to make our own sustainable, sustainability decisions. So, like, choosing this fabric over a, a less sustainable fabric, a less recycled fabric, choosing, choosing trims wisely. It's, it's kind of up to, up to the product creators to ultimately um, enact that change. So, kind of one last question. Um, how do you, as a product developer, keep from making more stuff? the industry has a lot of stuff and you go to outdoor retailer and you see a lot of it um 
And I've, you know, I've been talking to a few people recently and they've been in the industry and they kind of go through this crisis. It's like, well, I just can't make more stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. So they decide to, to leave. Um, it's like, how has that been for you? And how do you keep from making just more stuff that doesn't matter? Yeah, I think if, if you're working in product development or if you're selling, I mean, if, you, if you're working in a, in a product-based company and you're not asking yourself that question, um, I, it, it, there, I don't, there's not something wrong, but it's, I think everybody needs to be thinking about that. Everyone's got to go through that crisis. Yeah, at some point. So like that happened, I, I've been thinking that since I've been in, in product development. It's like, how, how, do I, how do I limit my impact? Of like, I, I, I am producing more things, you know, people, people want new things, people want better things. Um, but like, what's the, what's the limit there? So how I try to approach it and how I think about it is that if I'm going to put something out into the world and have a hand in that, I want it to be, it, it all goes back to sustainability and making things um, better. So I, I think of, we think of at RAI sustainability as kind of a hierarchy of um, durability, repairability, and recyclability. So having those three things in mind when creating product is, is of the utmost importance. So ultimately, I want to get people to buy things once, buy a sleeping bag from REI, um, and then use it until, you know, either either they, they want to get something better or, or newer or, um, you know, a little lighter. Um, and then I want them to, you know, sell it secondhand or, or you know, get, pass it down to somebody else. I want to I make things that are going to have long lifetimes and that'll be around for, um, you know, as long as my 1970s REI down jacket. So there's yeah. – it's – there's a lot of good old stuff out there as well. So it, I would say that like, there needs to be a shift in kind of consumer culture for all of this to take um, true effect. But as a company, REI is, you know, really empowers me to think about these things because we're leaning into things like the circular economy, rentals, used gear, um, trying to think differently about, you know, how people purchase and use product. Right. So that's, uh, it's a huge question, and it's something that I probably won't ever have the answer to. But yeah. it's, uh, I think, really, really important to think about. Right. No, that's that's a whole nother conversation. But we probably ought to end it here. So, if if people want to reach out to you or stay in touch with you, um, how would they do that? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Is probably the best way. Um, I'm off the Instagram these days. So uh, it's uh, my name's Colin Quinn. All professional. Um, yeah, all professional. Uh, yeah, just just hit me up on LinkedIn. Okay, sounds good. Well, Colin, thanks again for making the journey down from Seattle, and it's good to have you here. Thanks again. Thanks, Chase. Hey, everyone. Just a couple quick thoughts that uh, REI wanted to include but we weren't able to get to in the podcast, but the sustainability standards that REI has introduced apply to each of the more than 1,000 brands sold at REI Co-op, uh, including their own co-op brands. Standards outline REI's expectations for how brands manage key environmental, social, and animal welfare impacts. Uh, the standards include a set of preferred sustainability attributes, including organically grown cotton, recycled materials, blue sign certification, and others that are most relevant to uh, their product offering and most impactful in driving sustainability. REI's standards were informed by uh, work that REI co-op brands had done uh, throughout the years to make more sustainable products. Um, 
they continue to build products according to sustainability um, and a set of rigorous sustainability standards that go beyond REI's product sustainability standards. So this isn't uh, just the bare minimum. Uh, they're, they're trying to exceed those. Um, their learnings will continue to inform the future evolution of product sustainability standards that could be implemented in the future for all brands sold at REI. And in crafting those standards, um, they captured input from dozens of partner brands of all sizes and, and product categories uh, to make sure this wasn't an undue burden on those, on those companies, uh, but also in a way that it pushes the industry forward. Um, but looking for uh, feedback um, to make sure that this was feasible for the brands um, and address the most relevant topics um, that, and that reflect best practices. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more outdoor stories and content, connect with us on highlandermag.com. Thank you.